This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Learn more at southcities.church. Not .com, not .net, not .us, not .assembly, not .baptist, not .anything. We got .church. You can keep going. I know. That was a Kim Schiller special. She just bought all the... All the various domain names right in time because we know there was somebody else that probably was camping on that southcities.church domain name. Popular name that it is. Hey guys, have you guys all been to Grand Marais? I probably have asked this question before. No, I know you guys talked about the skizzles and the hizzles, the faux shizzles. I've been to Grand Marais. And everything else. You've yep. been to Grand Marais. Yeah. What have you done in Grand Marais? Have you stayed in Grand Marais? No, we stopped there on the way to Lutzen. Oh, but that's not, it's oh, after. on the way back from Canada. Because Lutzen is before. south of Grand Marais. Well, then we went up to Grand Marais after Lutzen. I don't know, uh, it was on the same trip. Eeny, meeny, mm-hmm. miny, you know, Grand Marais. What, what are your impressions of Grand Marais? I like Nick? it. What do you like about it? Uh, I like that it's on the lake. It's got some good views. It's got some cool shops, good restaurants. It has a quaint feeling. Did you ever go out to Artist's Point or the Lighthouse? Yeah, we saw the Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Ate at Svendinoli's Pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Overrated. I like it. Mm, that's fine. Your tastes have been shaped by your upbringing. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Stacey, have you been to Grand Marais? Yes. Okay. A few times. What, what do you like about it? Have you stayed there? No, we haven't oh. stayed there. Okay. Same things Nick just said. <laughs> All the same things apply. Shops, artist point, all the rest. Okay. It's on the lake. It's a Dave, cute little town. Have you ever seen the lake? The lake? Yeah, Lake Superior. Yeah, the, mic. the lake? The um, lake, Lake Superior. I've, lake. Been, I've been to Superior and seen Lake Superior. From a distance, yeah. yeah. But it pales in comparison to the sweet blue waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I don't, I've only seen the Gulf of Mexico once. Oh. The sweet blue waters of the Atlantic yeah. coast off the coast of Florida. Yes. That's what I meant. You definitely prefer that. The tropical instead of like the tropical sandy instead of the breezy rocky. Oh, we like both. Yeah. The ocean's fun though. Does Kelly yeah. like like both? It's warmer in Florida. Mm. No sharks in Lake Superior though. Mm-hmm. We're not scared. Or jellyfish. That's true. Mm -hmm. Sharks, jellyfish. Oh my. Well, today on the last podcast that Dave will be a part of for a few months, I thought that we would go right up to the shoreline of scripture and peer out into its depths in systematic theology. Mm. Mm. That was not my A game. you, You paint a picture. Okay. So over the next four podcasts or so, we're going to be spending time in systematic theology. What, what's systematic theology as opposed to some other kind of theology, like bad theology, like, or like take your pick of adjectives. Huh? What do you, I'm what, just saying what like, what is at? systematic theology? Tell me, tell me what it is in, in comparison to other kinds of theology. Okay. Uh, systematic theology uh, is a way to do theology where you take, uh, what the Bible says about a topic and you systematize it. So you say what the whole Bible says about X, Y, or Z. 
Okay. Right? <clears throat> so, and there's usually historic systematic categories. For example, um, you know, the nature of the word, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about today. Bibliology. Bibliology, yep. Then there's God, you know, Christ, Christology. Theology proper and Christology. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and so what you're doing is you're taking these categories and saying, what does the whole Bible say about this? Yep. Are there, is the whole Bible, like you essentially read your Bible, it's completely internally consistent and every Christian that's ever read their Bible has come to the same conclusions about systematic theology. Is that, is that true? No. No, it's not. So it's not quite so a slam dunk. Right. Okay. What, I don't know what you're... Yeah, yeah. it's not. So people, it, it is on the important things. On okay. first tier issues. Oh, tears. But not I've heard about all of the second and third tier issues. Okay. So uh, when we talk about systematic theology, compare that to other kinds of theology that we might talk about. So you can have both good or bad systematic theology. Yep. Properly mm-hmm. reading the Bible, properly seeking to harmonize texts mm-hmm. is good theology. Improperly reading the Bible, bad theology, bad right. systematic theology. Right. What other kinds of theology you know are out there that we've talked about yeah, either so here on the podcast? Talk about also, biblical theology, which is just what the Bible says. Or? Not, not quite. Okay. So biblical theology focuses on uh, the progression and the trajectory of the whole biblical story and how it fits together. Mm. And so, uh, oftentimes you're seeing you're you're reading it in the context of where it is in the narrative. And uh, trying to see how it all fits together and points to the same thing, namely Jesus. Are we and doing so, more biblical or systematic theology as we're preaching through Genesis? I think I think we're doing a little bit of both. Okay, but I think we're doing more biblical theology because we're tracing the line, the themes, you know, of promise, showing how they ultimately point to Christ. Um, yeah, those types of things. Do you think that's accurate, Dave? Yeah, I think. And I think good preaching probably combines a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. So I think I think preaching or teaching through passages of scripture, probably all of it comes into play a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you're to talk about systematic theology, I've heard people talk about it this way. It's more like buckets. Right. And mm-hmm. siloed categories for how you think about different things. And... Uh, biblical theology is more like a landscape or a road, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like, you're starting at one spot, you're going to another spot. Um, you can't really take a piece of the road out and analyze it completely without referencing other parts right. of the road to yep. some mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in systematic theology, you can. You can just like pull this silo or this sleeve of things out and like, hey, what does the Bible say about this? And I, but I would contend that in order to do good systematic theology, you have to know how the Bible progresses and where those verses that you're talking about fit in the context so that you're not interpreting them wrongly. It's very Baptist of you, Nick, positive, positive and encouraging. So I think, uh, would you also say the inverse too? That you need good systematic theology to understand the biblical theology? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yep. The, the way, I mean, the way I would talk about it would just be systematic theology to me feels like helpful guardrails. Um, so you're, you're putting up some places where, Hey, we're, if we're, if we're doing Christology, you're, you're avoiding heresies and you're, 
and you're putting some helpful things up about here's who Christ is and here's what he's done. And here who's, here's who Christ is not and what he has not done. Um, you know, and you could do that with every systematic category. And in doing that, while you're interpreting the story, if uh, so, maybe that'd be a picture. You know, while you're on the road, systematic theology is going to keep you from falling off the cliff. Yeah, sure. That, I yeah. think that's an apt description. Stacey, anything you would add about systematic biblical theology differences? No. So today, with that intro, I mean, anything else by way of introduction about systematic theology? Like often if you just type like systematic theology into a Google search string or an Amazon search string, you're going to get very large books. Wayne Grudem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, written by theologians, <laughs> you know, of all different stripes uh, over a great many years. I would say that you can, I mean, I have to think more about church history. I didn't really come in prepared to this, but- Certainly you get like a Thomas Aquinas, you know, the summa theologica, the, the sum of theology, uh, you know, from the scholastic period, the medieval scholastic period, Catholic systematic theologian. I'm trying to think who before him may have written something like that. And I'm not, like, I just didn't come in prepared. Certainly for us, you know, something like John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion would be a really big kind of, again, mm-hmm. reading all the Bible on particular topics and trying to harmonize, systematize mm-hmm. various things. Any other big ones that are out there that just like, we maybe we they've been movers and shakers or we would generally recommend them? Yeah, I mean, not, not in any particular period of church history, just in general. Just in general, yeah. Maybe from um, old times. I mean, I know, I know Bob Inc. is pretty... Mm. Well, performed dogmatics. Yeah. Mm. Well respected. What are, what are dogmatics? Is that like a mechanical dog? Is that a what is a dogmatic? <laughs> Beliefs. I don't yeah. know actually. Do- dogma. I think dogma. dogma. Yes. Yeah. Set of yeah. Set of which is not a, a mother of dogs. <laughs> dogma. It's, it's <laughs> beliefs in that regard. <clears throat> so um, so when we. Open up uh, systematic theology. Different ones will begin with different topics. Some of them will begin with God. Many of them, especially over the last 100 to 150 years, begin with the topic of revelation. Or how can we, the instead of the what or the who of, what, of who God is, it's the what or the how mm-hmm. can we know something about God. Right. And so this initial topic, we're talking about bibliology, which is really another way of saying like, how has God revealed himself mm-hmm. to people? So how has God revealed himself to people historically? Are there ways outside of the Bible where he's revealed himself to people in the course of history? Yes. And, and what are some of those, <laughs> Nick, Stacy, and Dave? General revelation. What's that? Tell us more. Nature. Nature. <laughs> the heavens declare the glory of God. Yeah, they do. That's right. So, what you learn from specific <laughs> revelation, what you learn from the right. Bible. Oh, okay. Is there any general revelation without specific revelation? Yeah, there okay. is. Uh, what does general revelation reveal about God? He's a creator. Okay. So you can look outside mm-hmm. or look at the stars, look at just things created and say, that was created. Is that even true for people that would say 
if they, you know, with their lips, they would say, no, that's not created. That's random. That's chance. Is there, uh, I mean, do they know there's a creator in some sense? The Bible says that they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? What does the Bible mm-hmm. say about that? The Bible says that it's written on everybody's heart, but they suppress the truth. Romans 1. Yep. yep. Uh, 22 and following, 19 mm-hmm. and following, something like that. Okay. Although, yeah, 21. <clears throat> yeah. 20. 20 through 21. Why didn't you read it for us? Actually, it's 19. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to keep right. going back. <laughs> for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay. Any other ways that God speaks apart from written scripture? I uh, I think he can use dreams. Okay. And I think that because we see that again in specific revelation. Um, I think that he can use uh, spiritual gifts at times, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a bigger, a bigger topic to talk about. Mm. Yeah. What's prophecy? Good, good. I mean, the nature see, of prophecy mm, and exactly what talk that about is. That we sometime. can talk about sometime, Stacy. It seems like in, in certain uh, time periods uh, in God's dealings with his people, he's used more some type of more direct communication, like just told them stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and then the Bible also says that one, uh, one of the clearest revelations that we have of God is in the person of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he is the exact imprint mm-hmm. of God's nature. Yep. Very true. So certainly, you know, sometimes we see very direct, like Moses, you know, spoke mm-hmm. with God, like somebody does face to face. And then we see kind of like this indirect, like David, like goes and talks to the Uma Thurman or the Umim and the Thuman <laughs> and, or talks to the priest who's got them. Like, let's consult the Uma Thurman <laughs> and find out what God says. I don't remember how you say it. Umim, Umim. <clears throat> It's the second one. I don't know. Do you know how you say it? How do you say it? <laughs> isn't, isn't it the Umen and the Thurman? <laughs> Is it actually the Umen so. and the Thurman? I think so. But I, don't uh, know. I wonder if there was. Is it the Thuman? I think you said Thurman. To you I did thought, say repeat the what Thurman. Daniel okay. said. I think it's Umen and Thuman. That's Thuman. how I remember okay. it. Says. <laughs> okay. So, but like there's more direct. God is speaking Europe, to somebody and, and more indirect, there's a prophet or somebody that needs to be consulted. We see that through uh, biblical history. So it's not Umin even? <laughs> it's not okay. What it's is it? Urim and Thumin. Oh, oh Urim and Thumin. And Thumin? Thumin, Thumin. Okay, yeah. I think all it's right. Thumin. Guys, I don't we, think it's Thumin. we all went to school <laughs> for, for studying the Bible. That's right. I'm never going to refer to it as the human term. We're, yeah, no. we're in the new covenant, man. You know, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So, uh, hashtag uh, biblical theology. Hey, but you know, the, 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 um, um, the thumb um, and the ermine <laughs> matters when we get to preaching revelation next year. I don't know how to say it. Um, um. I really know how to say it. Um, so of all these various ways, when we get to bibliology and we're talking about specific special revelation, we're mainly in most systematic theologies talk about 
what the scriptures say about the scriptures, the written word of God. High level kind of conversation. What is written about the word of God in the word of God? Uh, well, it says that it's the word of God. Oh, it's interesting. Yep. Tell me more. <laughs> it says that there, the things that are recorded in scripture are actually God's words that are written, yep. uh, written through humans, but divinely inspired. Yep. What is inspiration? What does that mean? So it doesn't mean that God, um, you know, took over their hand and just, they were mindlessly, you know, just being like a puppet. It also doesn't mean that God, you know, audibly spoke what they were saying. Uh, what it what it means is that it was real human authors who were actually exercising their will and writing down what they wanted to write, but God was so working in them and moving in them by His Spirit that the human words are in fact God's words as well. Yeah, good. So, so He inspired what they right. So it's yeah. both divine. Yep, and also human. human. Yep. Yep. So through personalities. You see, uh, even in the Gospels, you know, different people. You see Luke use really technical language as a doctor. You see uh, Matthew uh, and Mark, apparently both second language Greek speakers, you know, with some of that being worked in there. So there's definitely differences across the, you know, the canon, mm. according to people's personalities. Mm. So are there any other in words that we would say? words that begin with the prefix I, N, about the scriptures. So it's inspired. Mm -hmm. What else in it is it? Uh, we, we, we believe that they're inerrant. Inerrant. Yep. Okay. What does that mean? It means that they are without errors in the original manuscripts. Ooh, that feels technical to me. Could you unpack that a bit? Yep. So without error just means that no it's, errors. Yeah, there's no errors in it. <laughs> We're pretty technical so far. <laughs> and, and we say in the original manuscripts because there have been copies of copies of copies of copies made, you know, of the Bible. Uh, in fact, it's one of the most copied documents. It is the most copied document in human history. Mm -hmm. um, it's so well attested to throughout history. Um, and there have been scribal errors as it has been copied so many thousands of times. Um, we, we would call those textual variants, right? Um, but those are human error as they've been copied. Mm -hmm. And we don't believe that those errors existed in the original manuscripts when God inspired those authors. Do we have enough evidence to be able to get back at what the original manuscript said with a relatively high yeah. degree of certainty? Yep, I can't remember exactly if it's 98 or 99% or whatever of the copies that we have still existing today, they're uh, nine, like 98 or 99% of them agree. Yeah. And the, the places where there are discrepancies, there there's not a major doctrine of Christianity that hangs on those mm -hmm. discrepancies. And even within those, we can have a relative certainty on most of them, which one is right. Good. Good. So very, very high degree of certainty. Any other I-N prefix words that we would say about So let me ask you a question. What's uh, the difference between inerrancy and infallibility? What do you think about that question, Dave? I asked you. But he's the star who's leaving. Before his sun sets, oh. we want to be I'm the star really. who's fading. Yes, okay. perhaps that's wow. true. What would you say the difference is between inerrancy and infallibility, Dave? Um, 
Inerrancy would be uh, without errors in the original manuscripts and infallible would mean, I mean, to be fallible would have almost the idea of deception, uh, the idea yeah. that there's a, that you can be deceived as you read the scriptures. Um, and infallibility would be if you read them, I, I think basically without bias, you're not reading it with a preconceived bias as you read it without bias and as internally coherent to itself, you'll not be deceived, but you'll find what's true and good and reality. Yeah. Um, I think about infallibility as like incapable of making a mistake because God can't. Right. 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 So, and therefore, uh, you know, depending on sometimes during the 20th century inerrancy and infallibility were kind of pitted against each other as like, I believe that it's without error in the original manuscripts, verbal plenary, inspiration, verbal plenary, meaning the mm-hmm. words themselves, not just the ideas, but the very words mm-hmm. of scripture, right? And so, okay, those are without error. And then some others would come along and say, well, we believe the Bible is infallible in its intention. Right. You get numbers wrong, you get science wrong, you get other things wrong because they're filtering through a human author. We would say it's both. Correct. Right, it's both. Inerrant, both inerrant and infallible. And infallible. It, there's nothing in its intention that's off because there's nothing in God's intention that's off. And what God says is words, not just thoughts. Ideas, Good. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ideas, yeah. yeah. Any other things you'd say? Any other I-N prefixes that work for the scriptures? Uh, do you I, have one in mind? No, I can't. Okay. I'm just like throwing, throwing <laughs> That's thinking there. like sufficiency. Yeah. So talk about that. What's sufficiency? So the sufficiency of scripture means that it has everything that we need in it to know God, mm-hmm. to know uh, salvation and to know how to live in his world, right? Yep. Everything that's necessary for mm-hmm. life in God. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Not necessarily for how to build an airplane. Correct. Okay, so don't go to the scriptures for building an airplane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, don't go to the scriptures for all of your m- medical knowledge, perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But where it touches on things, we say, yes, this is true. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. What other things would you say about bibliology, the doctrine of the written revelation? Why do we have so many versions? Why are there so many Bible versions? Is it because people want to make a quick buck and uh, <laughs> bind it in some swanky uh, cloth, hardboard stuff? Well, the first, I mean, the first reason is because it's a, it's originally in Hebrew and Greek and a little bit of Aramaic, right? So there needs to be a translation for us to understand it in our own language. So um, as you translate something from one language to another, you need to make decisions on how best to communicate the original, right? Yeah. Um, And so there are versions that have um, tried to be really, really literal and as best as they can go exactly word for word. Um, and sometimes even some of the more, the most literal ones are make it a little bit hard to understand, right? In English, because Greek isn't the same as English. And so then there are others that have kind of made it more, not quite as word for word, but more thought for thought, right? To make it more easy to understand in English, but they've had to make some interpretive decisions right. for us, right? Right. And so, um, there's a, there's a spectrum of really literal, then there's on the other end, there's like almost paraphrases, right? And then there's everywhere in between because people are just making decisions on how best to translate. 
Right. Yeah, I'm just reading. I've got a new living translation here, mm-hmm. reading through Revelation in it constantly because that's what I do. And some of the, uh, it's more, it's word for word, but it's a bit more interpretive, mm-hmm. trying to get some of the idioms and other things and get past the initial layer of what the words mean uh, to a kind of a second layer of interpretation. Sometimes it's like, man, that's so great. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like, what are they doing? Right. But that's more, because I'm, that's more because I'm familiar with Revelation. Yeah. Uh, What else would you say about the topic? Anything else you'd say about the topic of the written word? Um, I mean, this kind of gets into a little bit of maybe biblical theology, but it's not just a record of the events of history, but it's also God's interpretation of those events. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Not merely facts. Right, but it's like God has assigned meaning in history. Meaning Mm -hmm. behind those facts. Yeah, yep. Yep. So that's what we get when we read the Bible. Yeah. And so over the next three podcasts, we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about all kinds of different siloed kind of topics, both about what it says about God, what it says about humanity, what it says about salvation, what it says about the nature of angels and the end times and the church and other things. Uh, Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy (laughs) ride. It's going to be a great ride. Dave's sad to miss it. Mm, Is he though? Are you sabbatical? You are? Okay, maybe we'll show up at your house one day and just catch a blurb. Probably. We'll miss you, man. You probably won't answer the door yeah, if we I do won't. that. We <laughs> yeah, we will miss you. We'll miss. We'll miss everyone, but we'll be around. I'll miss doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, be fun. We will uh, do a return episode when you're back. Great. I have right, a lot thanks. to say. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. <laughs>